Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. So guys, this is we're continuing the series on the book of Daniel. It's, it's, been, it's been tremendous as we walk through this. Last week we looked at Daniel. He's, he was a man of integrity. When a law, a decree was passed for that no other God was to be worshipped for 30 days, Daniel said, I don't think so, because Daniel belonged to another kingdom. It's important we understand that when you are saved or when you give your life to Jesus, the scripture says that you are transported from a kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Now, how, did, how were you saved? It was because God purchased you through the blood of his own son. You have been purchased. You've been bought with a price. Everybody say a price. So when you buy something, when you choose something, when you bring it home, that thing doesn't say, hey, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't like it here. No, it belongs to you. It's been purchased by you. When God purchased you through the blood of his own son, you belong to him. And you left the kingdom that you were... A, of you, the kingdom of your abusive slave master, sin, and the devil, and you were brought into the kingdom of freedom with your loving master, Jesus. That's a, that's a good trans, transition, isn't it? And that's where we are. Now, Daniel was a man who knew which kingdom he belonged to. He was in, a, in another kingdom on earth, but he lived from his heavenly kingdom principles. And for us as believers, that's how we are to live our lives We are in the kingdom of God, and we are living in a kingdom that's not ours. We're stewards of it. We are in the world, but not of it. But we are to live from the kingdom of God, his principles, his values, his word. And so when we live our lives, we ask the word how we are to live our lives. That's what Daniel has done consistently in the book of Daniel. We've been challenged, and we've learned from that. And so as we lean in today's message, it's important we understand, again, the understanding that our life does not belong to us, even our bodies. Even when we are, when we are desiring something or our flesh is wanting something, our bodies don't belong to us because we have been purchased by God. Like Daniel lived, he lived his life as though he was purchased by God. And we are as well. And I just want to remind you as we get into this message that we don't belong to ourselves. Paul writes to believers in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says this, Do, don't you realize that your body, everybody say my body. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. We don't like that. But I want to belong to myself. I want to do what I want. But God says you don't belong to yourself. Why? Because God bought you with a high price. So we must honor God with our bodies. I want to establish ownership today in our lives. What God owns What does God own in your life? Everything. It belongs to him. Why does he have the right to tell you what to do? Because he purchased you. Well, then, what does he, how do I, what does he want me to do with my life? How does he want me to live my life? He tells us in his word. It is his founding principles for his kingdom, the word of God. Amen? It's important we understand that. Also, Jesus speaking in Revelation 1, he says, to him... 
who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, speaking of Jesus, that made us a kingdom, a priest to his God and Father. When you live for God in an ungodly culture, sometimes we can forget who owns us. Sometimes we can forget whose who's, um, constitution we live from in our personal lives. It's God's. And so it's important we understand that our kingdom that we are a part of also has a king. Amen? He has a king. It has a king. And his name is Jesus. And we come to God through Jesus Christ. We, have, we are part of God's kingdom. Therefore, we have the word of God to order our steps, to tell us how we do live our lives. And so what happens sometimes, though, is that we can get confused. We can start to listen to the, the, the book of the other kingdom and bring it into God's kingdom. Now, no one would go before a king or a, a nation or a leader and say, hey, just real quick, um, I don't like how you do stuff around here. Nobody would do that. Just like the same way, no one would, would stand before the Supreme Court and say, excuse me, justices, I know I have a hearing today. I am here today regarding how you have handled the Swedish Constitution. It doesn't make any sense. I have a, I have a grievance with you because there is something in place in this kingdom that the Swedish Constitution does not hold up. They would stop you and say, excuse me, you're in America. If you want that, go to Sweden. Why? Because kingdoms have laws. Kingdoms have constitutions. And that constitution is effective for those in the kingdom. And so when you try to bring in something else from another place or another kingdom, it has no authority. It doesn't have a landing place. When you live for God in an ungodly culture, what happens is, is the the foundation of the teachings or the constitution of another kingdom tries to make its way into your kingdom. We belong to the kingdom of God. The only constitution that we have to live from is the word of God. There is no other mixing and there's nothing else going on. God gave it to us. It's our foundation. We follow it. That's what Daniel did. Regardless of where you are. And, very, and so many times when you live for God in an ungodly culture, you can, you know, you can say, man, I love, I love this verse. And you highlight stuff with your yellow pen. Ooh, that verse, that doesn't really fit. Give me my black Sharpie and you highlight with your black Sharpie. But that's not what God has called us to do. By his grace, he's given us his word. And as we obey it and as we live it, it transforms us. And we see Daniel continuing to follow God, to follow his God. We see Daniel understanding that it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what the opposition, it doesn't matter what another culture tells him he is to do. He will not bow and he will remain true to who God has called him to be. Last week, there was a decree that you, Daniel wasn't supposed to worship any God for 30 days. He still does. And he worships God. And there were some corrupt administers in the, in the kingdom that wanted to trap him because they were jealous because Daniel had been appointed as, as really the governor over the whole realm. The king Darius said, Daniel, you're the man. You, you are a man of integrity. I can trust you. 
And when the other ministers heard of that, they wanted to trap him. They tried to find something in his, in his life, in his legal life, in his, his, his past jobs as leading in the government. They couldn't find anything because he was a man of integrity. So then they tricked King Darius to pass this decree that King Darius would be king for 30 days. He'd be God, excuse me, for 30 days. And no one could worship anyone else. Daniel, because he is a man of integrity, he continues to worship. He continues to not bow to King Darius. And so he continued to be faithful to his God, to the word of God, not because of anything else except for his love and his desire. You need to understand, as, as Daniel was told, hey, Daniel, you need to do this. Culture says do this. Daniel said, well, excuse me, that's in your book for your culture. But my book for my culture says this out of Exodus 20, you shall have no other gods before me. So for, for Daniel, being a part of the one true kingdom, God's decree was more important than man's decree over his life. God's kingdom's culture was more important than the world's culture around him. And so now we read what happened to Daniel. In verse 10, it says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree has, was been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open towards Jerusalem three times a day. He got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before, just as he had always done. Daniel said, I'm sorry, that's my God, I'm going to worship him. And he remained true, he remained faithful, and he didn't bow the knee. So Daniel did exactly what these conniving men knew he would do. So they trapped him. So then they, they go back to the king and say, King, you said whoever doesn't bow and whoever prays to another god besides you, they will be thrown into the lion's den. This is the most, most popular story probably of the Bible. Daniel and the lion's den. That's what everyone knows. Jonah and the fish. We know this. So Daniel knew the decree, he knew the consequence, and he still worshiped his God. Now, King Darius actually really liked Daniel. Obviously, he was going to promote him, but he was tricked to make this decree, and in their land and in their constitution of their land, once the king made this type of decree, it is irreversible, cannot be reversed. So the king made the order in verse 16, so the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel, and they threw him in the lion's den. Now, when you read the book of Daniel, it's, it's, we forget that he was human just like you and me. Somewhere in our minds, they think, no, it's, but it's Daniel. I mean, he's in the Bible. He's like super, super man of God. But he actually wasn't. He was a normal man that submitted his life to God. He wasn't a super believer. He was just a faithful follower of God. And so the order is given. Imagine the pressure that Daniel felt. A lot of times when we read the book, we see his courage. Wow, we see his integrity. Yes, I want to be that. But what we don't see and what's not clearly seen is the immense pressure Daniel must have been feeling. He wasn't thinking, you know what? I heard the decree. I've always wanted to play with lions. So I'm just going to go ahead and do my thing. No, no. He understood the cost. Daniel was faced with certain death. 
This was not, this was, again, it was not a day trip to go and feed the lions, except you were the food. This was his choice, to stand when everyone else bowed and to pray to his God when everyone else said don't. So this was certain death, unless God intervened. And there's going to be time, friends, when you live for God in an ungodly culture. You're going to feel pressure to compromise. You're going to feel pressure to not, to not express your beliefs from your book, from the kingdom's book. Now remember, we don't belong to ourselves. Remember, we are subject to the Bible. But it's not out of legalism. It's out of, actually, in this word contains the words of life. And it contains the words that will bless my family. In this contains the words that will strengthen my mind, my soul, my spirit, my marriage. In this is, is, is our steps to, to prosper in whatever I do. This is a good book, guys. This is not something that, that it's, you're obligated. It's something that gives you life. And you have access to it in the kingdom of God. But these other folks were, were living from another playbook. And when you live for God's book, living in an ungodly culture, there is pressure that you're going to feel. There's a pressure to compromise. This is why it's really important. There's going to be times when you're going to feel pressure. And so we're going to have the choice, do I, do I give in to the pressure or do I stand on the word of God? Do I compromise a little bit here to, to escape the, the, the pressure, to escape the consequence, or do I hold strong to my beliefs? Something what we don't always understand, and this will come to play at the end of this message today, is that when we are living for God in an ungodly culture and there is pressure, it's important we understand the whole counsel of Scripture when it comes to consequences when we stand for God. When you read the story of Daniel, you immediately think this is about Daniel and this is about the lion's den. But actually, it's important for us to understand God's kingdom, in God's kingdom, that sometimes, even many times, our circumstances, we, me, I, we're not the center of the story. That God may be using our lives for something much larger than we ever thought he was. That God would be using the faithfulness of you in the midst of pressure, actually, to be speaking to someone else who's going to reach someone else, who's going to reach many, many people that you could have never reached, but you were their example, and you were the reason why all these people were saved. The world is looking desperately for people who actually believe in something. Last week we looked at Daniel lived the life of integrity. Integrity means to have a, a, a values and standards that the whole actions and decisions of your life flow from that. In other words, there is a superior truth in your life. So the world is looking for someone. Daniel stood strong when they were looking to, to cancel him, looking to snuff him out, looking to destroy him. It didn't matter but he was standing strong. But it's important we understand when you stand, there's more stories going on. And so how do we maintain a biblical perspective in the face of pressure? Number one, we are to rest in the sovereignty of God's plan. The sovereignty of God's plan. Sovereignty simply means this, God has a story that he's writing. 
God has a, has a direction that he's going. His kingdom is moving. We are part of it. But many times we don't see the other stories. We don't see the next three chapters. We don't see the next paragraph. We don't see the character that's going to be introduced in God's sovereign plan. All we see is us. But when we are standing, we need to understand, we need to trust in God's sovereign plan. Because at times you're not going to know what's going on. You're going to feel the pressure, but you need to trust in God's sovereign plan. You see, Daniel, as he's facing this decree, as he's facing the lion's den, as he's facing decision whether to pray to his God and, or bow to, to King Darius, he's reminded of another story. We, we saw them in Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He would have known about these three men who were tossed into the fire. They, they, they faced the same situation as him, either bow or die. Except theirs was, you're going to burn to death. His is, you're going to be some lion's lunch. You're going to be eaten to death. And I want to remind you of how they responded of Daniel chapter 3, and then we'll come back to Daniel 6. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this is what they said. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Now look, 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 look. They trusted the sovereign plan of God. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Regardless, we will trust in the plan of God. Now listen, this is not, this is not patty cake Christianity. This is where the rubber meets the road. You saw it in the lives of the disciples. You see it all throughout Scripture. We also see the same response of Peter and John when they were preaching the gospel. They were living for Jesus. And they were threatened out of Acts 4. It says, Peter and John replied when they, they, they were told, shut up or we're going we're gonna to throw you in jail. We're going to persecute you. We're going to put some pressure on you. Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to God? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. How is it that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how is it that Peter and John can remain so strong when pressure is so intense? Because they based their life on the book. Because they did not allow other, other cultures to influence what they believe and not believe. They held pure and strong to the book, to the word they, they grew in relationship with their God, and they held strong to the Bible. For Christians in, the, in, in U.S. Christianity, these, these types of stuff feel a little uncomfortable for us. Because many times in, in the U.S., Christianity has been sold in some circles as a way to escape all trouble. And though that feeds our flesh and it sounds good, that is not the full Christianity of the Bible. Followers of God in the Bible, when pressure and facing uncertainty of the future, rested in the sovereign plan of God. Yes, they prayed for, for deliverance, and sometimes God delivered them. Amazing. But they maintained a perspective that they were 
able to see both sides of God's deliverance. Someone asked me the other day, they said, man, you're, this, um, this series on Daniel, it's, it's been really good. And they said, you know, you're saying things that you don't hear in other churches. And I said, yeah, it's, it might be called church growth in reverse. I don't know, but we'll have to see. But I actually believe it's the opposite because God is strengthening us. And so this idea of understanding, wait a minute, Jason, I, wait, wait, I came, to, I came for you to tell me everything's going to be all right and sing the song. I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. But the maturity of a believer would say, hey, God, I trust you. Doesn't mean I'm not concerned, but I'm going to rest in your sovereign plan as I follow you in my life. People of the Bible understood when they face pressure, there's deliverance on either way. Either God will deliver me on this earth like Paul and Silas and break the chains and I walk out like awesome, or he will deliver me from this world and I'll step into his arms. People of the Bible put their trust in the sovereign plan of God pressure from an ungodly culture, it does have its effect on us. It'd be silly to think it doesn't have a pressure. It's silly to think Daniel didn't feel any pressure. He was like, okay, sure, I'll go with the lions. No, this is, this is real. And the, the pressure from an ungodly culture on you because you chose to stand on the word of God, because you chose to believe that the Bible is true. You chose to believe that Jesus is the only way to salvation because you chose to believe that a marriage, a biblical right marriage is between one man and one woman because you chose to believe the Bible defines gender, not culture. Because you chose to believe the Word of God is actually true, it is infallible, and it is perfect to be applied to our lives. Because you chose to believe that your God is greater than any other law, any other culture, anything, and you will be obedient to that word and be obedient to his, his word, and you will stand. When you do that, you will face pressure. Hudson Taylor said this about pressure, because pressure can actually affect us, and I've seen it in believers' lives Hudson Taylor said this, it doesn't matter how great the pressure is, what really matters is where the pressure lies, whether it comes between you and God or whether it presses you nearer to his heart. I know people who when the pressure came on, they hit eject. I'm out of here. I'm just going to the culture. I, I love Jesus. I still love Jesus. I'm going to go over here because this was too much. And they think, no, I still love Jesus. No, no, you allow pressure to come between you and God. Trusting in God during uncertainty and, pr and, and pressure, though you need to understand that it is a fragrant offering of pure worship to your God. When you say, Lord, I don't know what's gonna go on, but I trust in your sovereign plan. So we need to get the right perspective. But in the context of this account for our lives, Daniel 6, when we face pressure, 
and persecution for following, for speaking the truth, for, for loving with understanding that there is a standard for life for believers. And when it looks like the hammer is going to drop, you need to know something. Second perspective is this. We find comfort in knowing what is impossible with man is impossible with God. There's going to come a time when it feels like, man, we've done everything we can. We've, we've, we've tried this. We've called this person. And maybe you've lost your job or maybe you've been demoted or, or maybe people are, are after you. And you know what? We've done everything we can. But this is what I do know. My God is the God that is not limited by man. That which was impossible with man to do and me to do, nothing is impossible with my God and he can deliver me and he can speak to me. You may be fired today, but he can promote you tomorrow. He has no problem doing that. You need to understand that. You are not a victim. You are in the kingdom of God and he holds your life and he will move you and put you where he wants to put you because it may be impossible with man. You may say, how do I do this? How did this happen? Nobody cares and nobody, no. God's like, excuse me, I'm here. I don't need to ask permission of anybody to do what I want to do. And he can do that with your life. When the king, King Darius was tricked into making this decree because those others were jealous of Daniel. Daniel prayed. They threw him in the lion's den. And here we have a man, King Darius. His friend Daniel's in the lion's den. He's trying everything he can to get him out. But because of the nature of the decree, it was irreversible. So when the king heard this in verse 14, he was greatly distressed. And he was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. So before Daniel was thrown into the lines and he was trying to figure out a loophole, I got to get Daniel out of this. A legal loophole, probably called his legal team, probably got it all together. But the king could not find a loophole. He was bound by the laws of man and himself. Man tried, man failed. So Daniel was put in. Verse 17, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of the nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Many scholars believe Darius was trying to protect Daniel from other attacks against him because at this point he knew, ah, this was, this was a, a trick. And they may try to kill him while he's even in here. For Daniel, the options were gone. The king had tried. The end was near. But I want you to catch what this pagan king who had a relationship with Daniel, who had seen the, the, the integrity of Daniel's life, as he came to the end of everything he could do, as, as he called everybody, as, as nobody could do anything, and he says, Dad, I can't do anything, Daniel. It's over. You're getting canceled, man. It's done. Only a supernatural intervention can help you, Daniel. And this is what the king said to Daniel. Verse 16 continues. It says, the king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, 
So this is integrity. Continually he was serving God. May he rescue you, Daniel. It was like Darius was almost praying to Daniel's God through Daniel. May he, please, I hope your God saves you. This perspective of knowing you can't do anything, but understanding God can do anything. You are done. You're out of options, but God is never out of options. The situation is bleak for Daniel, and all accounts is bleak. It's over. It's done. Daniel's going to die. And my friends, you're going to face situations that seem humanly impossible to overcome. And when you live for God, there may be a time that you don't see any more choices, any more chances. The pressure to conform becomes too much. And maybe the hammer is dropping and maybe it's all over. And you don't know anyone else to call. You don't know any, another lawyer. You've done everything you possibly can do. Many times we can look at a situation and a problem and think, it's over, God. Humanly speaking, nothing can be done. But God can change things that man says can never be changed. You need to understand that. You need to have confidence in that as you stand for God in an ungodly culture. Now the king in this story, he's troubled, he's grieved, his friends, his friend is in trouble. And so they, they seal the, the, the lion's den and the king goes back to his palace and it says in verse 18, the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him and he could not sleep. Perspective in the face of pressure, what do I do? God, what do I do? I got pressure on me. I, 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 have, to, I have to say something. And it's, it's one of the, if I don't say something, if I don't put something on my, on my social, if I, don't, if, I do, if I don't fly the flag, if I don't if I do this, if I don't support this, if I don't say, yeah, yeah, that, if I don't say, you know, whatever, you know, name I'm supposed to, if I don't, God, if I don't, but, but, if, I, but if I don't do that, I feel pressure. Man's going to get me. Culture's going to get me. You need to take heart. When you stand for God in a godly culture, when you hold the line, when you do it with love, do it with grace, what, what seems impossible for man, what seems impossible for you, it's going to happen. It's impossible. There's no way out. God's got something up his sleeve. He doesn't need man to do his purpose in your life, to promote you, to keep you, to care for you. He doesn't need man, but you need him. And you need to know something in that moment of pressure that you choose to stand. Number three, your greatest pressure point can become the place of your greatest encounter with God. Your greatest encounter with God is probably on the other side of the greatest challenge you've ever faced or right smack dab in the middle of it. So King Darius is worried. He's, they tried to bring entertainment and music. Get out of here. He's up all night at dawn. You know there was somebody watching. As soon as the, soon as the light, Darius said, listen, as soon as you see that sun, you wake me up. Verse 19, at the first light of dawn, the king got up and he hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. This dude was worried, man. 
Daniel, servant of the living God, oh, please tell me you're still alive, whom you serve continually. Have you been rescued from your God from the lions? I'd love to be there as the king comes running over to the, to the lion's den. Daniel, Daniel! He's been up all night. You can hear the, 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 the worry in his voice. And this question, Daniel, has your God saved you? Listen, he's worried. He didn't have confidence. He probably thought he was just going to hear the, the satisfied purring of the lions that had just had supper. But then from the den of the impossible situation, from the den that Daniel was placed in because he chose to stand, he chose to not give in, he chose to not compromise, then from the den that was his certain death, and everybody thought it was over, he hears what he never thought he'd hear again, the voice of Daniel, may the king live forever. It was God who sustained him. Listen. For the king, I'm sure it was so satisfying. He was like, man, I would have taken a grunt. I don't care. I just want to know you're okay. But Daniel, may the king live forever. Still maintained his integrity. Still maintained the reality that he was to be in this culture. He's not to be of it, but he's still to serve it. He's still to honor those in leadership. He's still to honor those around him. But he's not to compromise. He's to remain strong. Then Daniel continues. Daniel says, my God sent his angel. And he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me. Because, now look, I was found innocent in his sight. Listen, you know what he was saying? Because I prayed to my God as I always have. I wasn't about to let some man's law tell me that I can't pray to my God. I wasn't about to let some man's law tell me what I have to believe and what I have to agree with. I remained innocent before my God. Church, it's so important that you live a life that is to the best of your ability. You're not going to be perfect. No one's going to reach Jesus' status this side of the grave. And you won't afterwards either. But you're never going to live that perfect life. But if your heart is desiring to please God, if your heart is, trying, is desiring to stand, when you do it out of innocence, out of love, out of commitment, out of submission to the word, and when you do it out, out in, in love around other people, you are declared innocent. And Daniel said, he, he sent an angel because I was found innocent. I haven't done any wrong either before you, king. Your majesty, the king, though, was overjoyed, and he gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. When Daniel was lifted out of the den, no wound was found on him. Because why? Read that with me. Because he had trusted in his God. Trust in the Bible. Trust in God. Obedience through the grace of God that helps you to obey is the key that protects you when you stand. There's something really interesting about this passage. You, you have this whole like conversation going on. It's, uh, it, it's, it's very Daniel-like. He's talking with the king from the den of lions. Lions are still there. They're still hanging out. He's talking to the king. 
with his entourage. The king's entourage is up there. The, king, the king's got a rope ladder wrapped around his arm. Don't you think you would have climbed out first and then discussed what happened in the lion's den? But not Daniel. I, I, I would have been like, hey, I, hey, hey, king, get me out of here. Get me out now. Get me over. But Daniel says, hi, king. Talks to the king. King talks to Daniel. Daniel's over rubbing the head of this stinking lion. Talks back to the king. Yeah, it was an angel. It's pretty amazing. How in the world? People had to be like, what's going on? The lion's dead. They look down there, and he's like, I, I don't know. Zero fear. I'm innocent. You see, God's peace enveloped him. How is it that you can have peace in the midst of this type of situation when you stand for God? It was that Daniel experienced the promise that God will stand with you, that God will honor when you do your best to honor him. When you stand strong in the face of your greatest pressure point, you need to know this, this, it's your promise as well. Psalm 46 says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Daniel knew this, and you will know this too. But sometimes you don't have this assurance until they seal the stone over your lion's den. But then all of a sudden, a supernatural presence shows up and gives you peace. It says, I'm with you. And as everybody else thinks, ha ha, got him, he's gone. You're cuddled up next to a warm, fuzzy lion. And the purr is like a little fan running in your room at night. It's just so nice. Once God visits you, though, at this pressure point, you're a different person. Like Daniel, when you get his assurance and peace, you are overwhelmed with confidence. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep standing. Friends, many times you have to step out. You have to take risk in order to be met with the supernatural. You have to obey. You have to submit to be met with that peace. And then you have confidence to continue to stand. You can feel the hedge of protection. You can feel the wall of God's hand around your life. Daniel stands secure, peaceful, righteous in the lion's den. And just like Daniel, the Holy Spirit will give you peace. He will stand with you in your greatest time and your greatest moment of pressure. And you will encounter him in a way that you maybe have never encountered him. Now at this point in the story, as we've already heard, the king's, king is very aware that he's been tricked. He's been hoodwinked. So then he goes and gets the hoodwinkers. I don't think that's a word, but anyway, that's just what I came to my mind. He goes and gets them. But I want you to note real quick, Daniel, there was never any inclining of bitterness, of anger, of a desire to retaliate, of a desire to, yeah, king, stick him to the wall. He continues to be a man of integrity. This is the king's doing. 
Because one thing you don't do to a king is you don't hoodwink a king. You don't, you don't deceive a king. He saw it. He realized they used me. They used their position. They used information. And so this is a bit of a, of a tragic verse. Verse 24, at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. It's horrific. The lions who had been so close to Daniel all night but couldn't touch him, they were ravenous, they were hungry. Not to be harsh, but only to point out from this verse, their gods were unable to deliver them from the lions. But, hang on, the one who was in Daniel, the one who was Daniel's God, was stronger than the one who was in the world. That's what we need to understand. As you stand for God, as you take courage, as you have, have peace inside of you, as you walk in that, as you stand, you need to know something. In your moment of greatest pressure, greatest fear, greatest questions, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You don't submit to the world. You submit, submit to the one who is in you and who saved your life. Amen. The last perspective from this passage is Daniel chapter, excuse me, out of Daniel chapter 6 is number 4. God will use your refusal to bow to an ungodly culture as a catalyst for revival. He will. As I've said before, there will come a time, as the culture even does today, it will cannibalize itself. They, they will just cannibalize themselves. They will be broken. They will be on the other side of, of what they tried to push, the agenda they tried to do. It, they, will, they will eventually crack and break. And they will be destitute and broken and hurting. And they're going to lift their heads from their broken world. And they're going to try to find somebody or something that is different than their lives. And they're going to look and they're going to see, listen, that person, they knew this all along. They knew this whole thing was just, was just a big hoax. They knew this thing was deceptive. They knew it. And God's going to speak to their lives. They're going to lift their eyes and they're going to see you standing when everyone else is bowing. And they're going to run to you and say, what is it? Why is it that you do what you do? Why is it that you stand for truth? Why is it that you have peace in the midst of adversity? Why is it that even when pressured to the breaking point, you said, I will not bow? What is it? And you're going to say, let me introduce you to the Savior of the world who died for you. You need to know that God will use your refusal in his sovereign plan to stand. To bring those in your family that don't know Jesus. I think one of the greatest detriments that's happened in our families because of indoctrination is moms and dads embracing another book for their families. Embracing another definition of what it means to follow God. What happened for Daniel is after he stood, I want you to look at what, what King Darius did. Then King Darius, 
wrote to all the nations of every people and every language and all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and look at this, reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and all the earth. And he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. What if Daniel would have said, I know. I mean, but what does it mean to not bow? What did God really mean by not bowing before any other God? What, I know, but what, what if Daniel would have bowed? What if Daniel would have been like, eh, it's cool. It's all right. Jesus loves me. God's grace. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not diminishing God's grace. I, I, I'm, I'm wanting you to see the, the, the mindset and the traps that, that the enemy indoctrinates you with and your children with. It matters. Your life matters more than you could ever imagine. The Word of God matters. You obeying it, submitting to it. Are you going to be perfect? No way. But integrity says when you stumble, when you fall, Lord, forgive me. Integrity, godly integrity, doesn't say, actually, I know, God, you say that's a sin, but culture says it's not, so therefore, I'm going to just change that one. Who do we think we are? In the kingdom of God, children of God, changing the king's standard to fit us. That's a scary place I do not want to be in. But what message does that say to the world? It says this, uh, this is, these are some good things in here. It's not truth. It's not made to build your life on because you just changed it. You, you, just, you just compromised this, you did this. You, you became that, you affirmed this. And you, that you say it's truth, but obviously it's not. Friends, God's calling his church to be holy. God's calling his church to say, I will stand even when I'm scared. God's calling his church for you as a family, when your children come home and they've been indoctrinated by, by culture and friends, where all of a sudden their beliefs they think are theirs. No, it's not. It's, it's the devil's belief to destroy their life. You are not to say, that's okay. You're to say, hey, hang on. As a follower of Jesus, the Bible calls that sin. And if you want to talk about that and affirm that, that's fine. You're not going to do that in my house because I won't have people speaking lies against God in my home. I love you. We're not having that. Now come sit down. Let's eat some barbecue. Your children need you to say, no, yes. Yeah, but you don't, no, hang on, that's, no, yes. While you're in my house, this is the truth. And I'm gonna be praying for you. Yes, but, but I feel things, that's fine. I feel things too. But I submit to the word of God. Yes, but culture said, I, culture says a lot of stuff. But this has stood for the ages, 
and will stand into eternity and I'm going to walk with it. The fastest way to lead your children to destruction is to come into alignment with a lie that they're telling. Listen, it's not my kingdom, it's God's. I don't, I, I, I understand. We have different feelings, cultures to certain things. Hang on. We are in God's kingdom, not mine. One of the most tragic things I heard two weeks ago, a pastor of a very well-known ministry and organization, when challenged regarding the Bible, because it was, it's Pride Month, it was, obviously it was about that. And, and I, I don't isolate, there's no isolation of, of, of sin, like lust. Like, I, you're, I'm not going to be like, it's Lust Month. I, I'm, that's why we would, no, it's a sin. Like any, any, any sexual experience outside of one man, one woman in marriage is sin. I don't care if it's heterosexual, homo, it's sin. It's sin. And they said, hey, the, the, the LGBTQ community is, they feel ostracized by the ministry. And this is his words verbatim. Well, I don't have anything against them, which is true. He says, but unfortunately, we have to follow the Bible. Unfortunate. When has the Bible ever been unfortunate? When has the Bible ever been, oh, too bad, we got to follow the Bible. In it contains the words of life. In it are words from our God and our Savior. In it is what we stand on. Fortunately, we have a Bible that tells us how to live our lives for the glory of God. Fortunately. Now listen, if people don't follow Jesus, their first step of obeying this is submitting their lives to Jesus. We can't force, the problem with kind of old school Christianity is we try to make sinners act like Christians. It'll never happen. I mean, you barely act like a Christian, so why, what are you expecting someone else to? <laughs> but once we come into the kingdom, this is where we live our lives from. And as you do, friends, God will use your life to bring a revival in your family, in your city, in our church. God is strengthening the backbone of his church for a great revival. He will not entrust us with the souls of men and women in broken lives until we first understand we stand on this and this alone. And God wants to reach your family and your children. God will give you grace on how to navigate those difficult things. God will give you grace how to have conversations. Do you love people who, who, who are in your family and they don't believe? Of course you do. Did Jesus love you, you knucklehead? Yes, he did. Loved me? I mean, good grief. We love them. But we don't compromise the kingdom that we have actually been brought into. We've actually been purchased. We actually are not our own. Our bodies aren't even our own. We don't, we don't, we, we don't have any say in what the king of our kingdom says we are to live our lives. We just obey. And when we obey, we receive his blessing. It's a good deal. And so let's stand strong, church. In a day and an hour that's difficult, there will be pressure. You will be scared. But God will meet you. 
And we will stand one day before the throne of God. And he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. That's my only desire. And may we do it together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth. Lord, the truth that we wrestle with, it's not easy, but it's life-giving. So, Lord, today we ask you to strengthen us as you did Daniel. Today, God, we make your Bible, your word, the truth of our lives. We strive to understand it. We strive to connect the dots not to find out what's wrong with it, but to apply everything of it to our lives. Lord, because the truth is there is nothing wrong with it. It is perfect. It is infallible. And fortunately, you've given it to us. Lord, today, I pray that you would speak to us. God, I pray today that as we stand strong like Daniel, that you would meet us, that you give us a resolve that, God, you give us comfort in the moments of pressure. God, you give us the understanding that you are the God that is working the whole plan of our lives. God, today we submit ourselves to you and thank you that when we face things that are impossible, when, when everything seems like, man, by me standing, this is going to be the consequence. Remind us, yes, that's consequence with man, but when I'm involved, I get my way. And so, God, we thank you today that you move on our behalf. And, God, I thank you today that you're going to give us grace. But, Lord, I pray that you would use our lives as a pathway to revival for the city, for this church, for our families. We stand strong. We don't move in pressure. We call on you, and we trust you today. Strengthen our families in this room. God, I know there are families, and even this is very challenging. But Lord, give them the ability to do it in grace and love without moving. And when it first kicks off in their home, God, give them the grace to say, I will hold strong, but I would do it in love. Help them to demonstrate your love that you demonstrated to them. And may they rescue and bring revival to their home because of their life. Lead us and guide us as we continue to stand for God in an ungodly culture called to serve them, to love them, to reach them, but to be distinct because of our love for you. In Jesus' name. Just remain with your heads bowed for a moment. If you're here today and you would say, I have been deceived and given in to the culture of the world, and I see it and I need some help, and I want God to cleanse me and give me a new mind and a new heart. And you want to fully submit yourself to Jesus, just raise your hand right now. Nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand. God bless you, bless you. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Amen. Bless you. You can put your hands down. God bless you. I'm going to ask all of us in closing, can you just put your hands on your mind? If you don't mind doing that just put your hands on your mind Lord in the name of Jesus I ask you to unwind every lie that I've believed in my mind 
I ask you right now in the name of Jesus to reveal to me the areas of deception and indoctrination. Lord, reveal to me. And God, I want to also ask you, while my hand is on my mind, that you would cleanse it, that you would forgive me for coming into agreement and alignment with the lies of the culture and the enemy. God, protect my mind. Just tell God right now, protect my mind. Say it again, protect my mind. Lay your hand on your heart today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would give me courage, that you would give me courage to stand when I tremble, that you give me assurance that you're with me. God, I ask you that you would heal my heart. Got areas that I have compromised. I pray that you would cleanse me and forgive me and give me a new heart and a new mind. God, give us new emotions. We've been angry. We've fought for things that were lies. We were emotional to defend things that were actually sin. Forgive us and rewire our emotions so we can fight for what is right. We can fight for the hurting. We can fight for the broken. And we can give them the answer of you, Jesus. Now, Lord, today, I pray that you would lift our voices, that you would bring those out of secret areas of their following of Jesus and they would step into the light and be Daniels. Lord, let us be a church full of Daniels that serve the world around us. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand today. Thank you, Jesus. If, um, if you gave your life to Jesus, and you want to know how to take further steps, I just want to ask you to do me a favor. In front of you is a connect card. You can fill that out. Drop it in the white bucket when you leave. Or a prayer request if you have one, you can do that as well. But we want to help you on that journey. Let's all stand to our feet, church. I'm going to pray God blesses you and strengthens you as you follow the Bible. The Bible. Be in it every day. Let it be a part of your life. Just be in it every day. It's not about quantity. It's about quality. Let it, let it wash your mind. If you can, lift your hands to the Lord to receive a blessing from God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the blessing of your anointing to fall on every person. The blessing of power from your spirit. The blessing to move forward in peace and grace. To move forward in confidence and not fear. In the name of Jesus, God, I ask you that you would anoint every person's mind and hearts and bodies. Heal them, restore them, bring forth supernatural happenings in their life. Provide for them. May you guide their, foot, their feet. God, they've made plans, but God, you're going to direct their steps. God, I ask you that you would promote them to where they need to be promoted. That you would place them where they need to be placed. That you would provide financially for them supernaturally as they put you first in their lives. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. God bless you, friends. I love you.